Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from this psalm we read responsively earlier in the service. You may be seated. <clears throat> we begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning that you have called us to be gathered in this place to receive your gifts and hear of your blessings. We thank you, Lord, this day for the baptism of Remy and that you have called her out of darkness and into your marvelous light, giving her a place in your kingdom. And now today, Lord, as fellow citizens of that kingdom, we pray that you would grant us your Holy Spirit. The words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, uh, Advent is upon us, which is a wonderful time of year here around the church. We've got a lot going on. We've got uh, the decorations up. We've got community Christmas coming. We've got the Christmas concert, the Advent services. It, it, is, a, it is a busy but wonderful time of the year here at the church. But we also know, once Advent is upon us, that we are going to be entering into that season of contrived battles in these so-called culture wars which makes me wonder who will win in your hearts and your minds this year will it be christian christmas or will it be that corporate secular christmas will your advent look like you rushing around and going to parties and buying presents and decorating and stressing out with nat king cole humming through the air or will it be a time of somber reflection and preparation for the lord's coming are you going to be playing I Don't Want a Lot for Christmas by Mariah Carey, or will you be singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? I'll tell you this much, you don't get to avoid I Don't Want a Lot for Christmas by Mariah Carey. It's everywhere, but that's good news because it's a great song, and if you don't like it, you're wrong. All right, the battle rages in our society, and if you are like me, the battle rages in your hearts. But this year, it seems uh, that the, the battle for Christmas is going to be more, shall we say, in-house. Because I don't know if you heard about this, but this year, Christmas Day is on Sunday. That's right. Jesus has decided to throw his birthday party right in the middle of the time when you want to be opening presents. Good heavens. So what will you do? Will you be in church? Or will you be sitting beneath the tree? The question has actually been posed by some Christians to the churches wondering, will they be having services on Christmas morning? And if you really think about it, it is kind of an odd question to ask. You're asking, are you going to be celebrating Jesus' birthday at his house or someplace else? Are you going to be focusing only on the presence and the family traditions? Or are those family traditions going to be focused on Christ? Let's ask the question, though, more pointedly today, the way that my children will ask me the question uh, on Christmas Eve. Do we have to go to church on Christmas morning? Well, uh, just so you are aware, we will be having church on Christmas morning here at Community, both in Escondido and in San Marcos, uh, both services at 9.30. So kind of like last week where we just had uh, the one service here, that's what we'll be doing here on Christmas morning. So mark your calendar. But it is an interesting question, do I have to go to church on Christmas morning? Or really, it's an interesting question a bit broader, why do we have to go to church at all? Now, have to is an interesting sort of way to posit the question. Because I do suppose going to church does often feel like a have to. It can be kind of drudgery. 
the same thing week in and week out. It starts to feel a little routine. Sometimes it gets to be a little bit much, especially this time of year where we got services midweek and then normal Sunday services, and then we'll have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services. It, it's a lot of services to think about. You've got to wonder, what's the big deal anyway? Why is it so important to be in church? Why do I have to go? And there's a variety of answers uh, to this question, a variety of answers that we all kind of have. Many of us probably have many answers. Some of us go because we feel like we have to be here. Some of us come out of a sense of responsibility and duty. Some of us come because we love church. We come because we long to hear the gospel. Some of us come because uh, our parents make us go. Some of us come because we're preaching the sermon on Sunday morning. Now, there's a variety of reasons why people come in. There are some who don't come. Some can't come for a variety of reasons. Some people can't come because of health issues. Some people can't make it because their work won't allow for it. And this is, this is a time where the online services can be sort of greatly beneficial to us. At the same time, there are those who, who don't want to come, and they use the online services as an excuse uh, to stay home forgetting the importance of being in the community of believers, forgetting the importance of actually receiving the real bread and real wine, Christ's actual body and blood, there in the presence of the congregation. So there's all kinds of thoughts and attitudes and reasons of why people come and why they don't come. And so why is it important for us to be in church? Well, I think it's a helpful question for us to ponder today. And actually, as we come to the psalm that we heard this morning, I think this psalm, these psalms, really, that we'll look at today, give us a great deal of help and guidance as we think through this question. Uh, Pastor Matt, as we came into the Advent season, suggested that we start reading the psalm during Advent this, this year. And I really love that idea to get us more grounded in the Word and to, uh, to have uh, the psalm here in the worship service. And this particular psalm we hear from today, Psalm 122, is a psalm all about the joy of going to be in the house of the Lord. Now, now, just so we're clear, the house of the Lord here, I think, refers to Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, they would call Jerusalem the house of the Lord. Why? Because the temple was there. And God had promised to dwell in his temple. You would go to be in the presence of God in Jerusalem near the temple. And it was a joy for them to go. Listen to what the psalmist says. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. There's this, there's this sense of there's this excitement to be there, this longing to be in the presence of God and to be worshiping God and receiving his gifts with, with all of his people. Now, to be fair, this is not something they did every single week in the Old Testament. Uh, this was something they did at a variety of times throughout the year uh, with the high feasts and the high festivals, the big celebrations, uh, the holy days, really, uh, in the Old Testament. Now, the Psalm 122 was a song that they would sing, though, as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In fact, Psalm 122 is a part of a collection of psalms that range from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, called the Psalms of Ascent. They're called the Psalms of Ascent because these are the songs they would sing as they were making their way from their homes all throughout Israel towards Jerusalem. But instead of singing over the, hill, uh, over, the river and with, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go, they would sing these songs of praise. Pray prayers of protection in these songs. Sing songs of lament over the sorrows that they face in the world. These psalms were songs about God's promises, about their lives and their vocations, about uh, their family and the, the rejoicing they have with these families as a gift from God. 
They were a way to prepare the people for worship as they'd entered into God's house to hear God's word and to celebrate God's presence with his people. Now, it is true that God is with his people wherever they are, but there was something in the Old Testament that was unique about Jerusalem. There was something unique about that temple. See, in that temple, God had made a promise. He had promised that he would be present there for his people, that there he would hear their prayers, there he would receive their sacrifice. And this is what would happen in the temple. They would go there and they they would pray, and then the priests would go into the temple and offer up sacrifices to God uh, for the atoning of the sins, the forgiving of the sins of the people. And he would pray on behalf of the people. And then he would turn around and he would begin to deliver the word of God to the people. Tell the people of God's love for them. Tell the people of God's presence with them. Give them instruction and guidance on how they should live. Call them to repent for their sins. And then preach to them about a Messiah, a Savior who was to come to be the Savior of the world. And it was a message the people loved to receive. It was a message that gave them joy as they went to the house of the Lord. Because they came into this house from a world that was filled with all kinds of other messages, all kinds of other distractions and temptations and threats, both to their faith and to their lives. It's always helpful, I think, when you read the Psalms of Ascent to start at the beginning, before you get to Psalm 122, you should go to Psalm 120. Because there it sets the scene. It shows you the kind of world the people were living in and why they longed to be in Jerusalem with God and with his people. This is what Psalm 120 says. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me, that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Now that's just so you are aware. He's saying, woe to me, because I dwell in a place where people do not know God. They do not trust him. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And this was no mere, quote-unquote, culture war that he's talking about. What he's talking about here is is people who despise the Israelites, who despise the Jews, and want to seek to, to end their existence. Their lives are being threatened. What's more, not only do they hate these people, they hate their God and they hate their faith and they're attacking their faith and they're constantly trying to draw them into worship other gods, to to abandon the true God of Israel for the gods of the surrounding nations. And if they won't do it, well, then they don't want to have them around. So both their faith and their life are threatened with where they live. So where do they turn for help? Well, that's when you get to the next psalm, Psalm 121. And there the psalmist writes this, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. People are surrounded by people with lying lips, violent threats and temptations and trials. But then they look to the hills for help and not just any hill, but to Mount Zion, to Jerusalem, to the place where God has promised to be present for his people. They fix their eyes and their hearts on the promised presence of God. And they long to be in that place where they will hear his word once again given to them. They will receive his his protection and his help. They rejoice then in Psalm 122 when they finally get to go to church. 
They're just like my kids on Sunday morning, I'm sure. They can't wait to get out of bed and be in the worship service. Maybe they liked it a little more than my kids. Uh, but they did. They longed to be there, uh, to hear once again the truth, uh, to hear the wisdom of God's law, to hear the comfort of his gospel, to hear the hope they had in the coming of Jesus. And it's here where I think we need to stop and reflect for a moment. See, This is why it's so important for us to be in church. Because here in this place, when we gather, God has promised to be present with us. He says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them also. He's promised to be present for us in his word. He's promised to be present for us in the bread and in the wine with his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's here where we come out of a world that is constantly filled with the noise of temptation and distraction. A world that entices you to sin and then sits in accusation against you for being such a terrible sinner. In a world of, of judgment, of condemnation, of self-righteousness, and of pride, we are called here into this place where we have no pride to boast of. But we have a God of mercy to forgive and to heal. It's in this world of trial and temptation where our lives right now are certainly not under threat, but our faith is always being attacked. It's here in this place where God has opened the doors of his house, his church, to bring you in, to gather you here, and to deliver to you Jesus, who is truly present with his word, and who gives life and hope and healing in this world filled with death, despair, and sin. And we know he's giving us these things because he has promised to be present. See, Jesus now, his presence is among his church. His presence is with his people. That's why the people of God are called the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, because it's here among the church where, Christ, where the Holy Spirit delivers Christ to us. For you see, this Christ, who was once present in that temple, also came to Jerusalem in another way, but when he put on human flesh, as we heard about in our reading from the gospel this morning, rode into that Jerusalem on a donkey and was truly present in that place as he came to Jerusalem to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Jesus went to the house of the Lord to function, we might say, as the great high priest who offered up his life as a sacrifice as he cried out for you and for me and for the forgiveness of our sins. And there in that place he was crucified, cast out, and he died. That death he died paid for the sins of his own Jewish brothers and sisters. It paid for the sins not just for them, but for the whole world. Even for you and for me. He was truly present as he rode that donkey humbly to the cross, bearing your sins and my sins. He died to pay the price for us. And then he rose again on that third day, on that Easter morning, so that his word of salvation might go out, letting us know that he has conquered our death, has forgiven our sins, and has secured for us everlasting life. And so we heard that wonderful word from Isaiah this morning that said, For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That word of Christ goes forth from Jerusalem to Judea to the very ends of the earth, as we said on Thursday during our Thanksgiving service, and now that word has come to you today in this place to give you the forgiveness of your sin. Christ who died in Jerusalem, giving his life as a sacrifice in the house of the Lord, 
is now present here among you. He is just as present here where His Word is preached, where His sacrament is, is, is administered. He is just as present there as He was in the temple. He is just as present there as He was on that donkey. He is just as present here as He was on that cross. He is just as present here as He was with His disciples in the upper room after the resurrection of the dead. He is present here for you to give you His body and blood, to forgive you your sins, to sustain you into everlasting life, to give you the truth of his love in a world filled with lies and deceit. It's important to be here because this place is set apart for us to receive the holy word and work of God. So do you have to come to church on Christmas or any other time it's open? Well, I can tell you this to answer that question. Jesus will be here. And he will be here today, as he is here for you today, and he will be here on Christmas morning with a greater word and a more joyful promise than anything you will have under the tree that day. For God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of all creation, has promised to be here for you. And he is, even today. So rejoice and be glad, dear saints, for you are in the house of the Lord, and he is here for you. Amen. We pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have called and gathered us into this place. You have enlightened us with your gifts, and you have sanctified us for your truth. Lord, continue to make our hearts long to be in the house of the Lord, to be present with you, so that you might pour out your blessings upon us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.